Welcome to the Nopalera podcast, a place where I share the journey of building my company from the ground up, as well as the stories of others in our community. I am your host, Sandra Velasquez, founder of Nopalera, a culture-forward brand that celebrates and elevates culture. Aside from making great products, we are cultural storytellers with a mission to inspire our community to stand in their worth. In this podcast, you will hear a mix of solo and guest episodes around the entrepreneurial realities of building a company. I launched Nopalera from my Brooklyn apartment with no outside funding while working three jobs, raising my child in the middle of the pandemic at the age of 44. Thank you for joining me on this journey. I hope it inspires you to live boldly. Many new business owners do not consider legal as part of their initial budget. They think it's something that they will deal with later on down the line. But let me tell you from speaking from experience that it's something you need to think about right away. Deneen Warmington is our intellectual property attorney at Nopalera, and she is also a licensing strategist. She gives experts and executives the legal confidence and know-how to effectively protect and leverage their IP. In other words, your intellectual property. She is the founder and principal attorney of Deneen Warmington Law, a virtual law firm that assists with licensing and certification programs, trademarks, contracts, and ongoing IP strategy. Before starting her own firm, Deneen was a Wall Street corporate attorney and served as in-house counsel for various organizations. Grab all of her information in the show notes because if you don't have an IP attorney now, you need one. Hey, Deneen, welcome. How are you? I'm good. Thank you, Sandra, for having me. I'm excited. I have been waiting for this episode because it's so important what you do. And I want to just dive right in. If I am launching a business, whether it's product-based or service-based, what should I trademark first? Okay. I would say, first of all, trademarks are about your brand identifiers. The best way to describe that is what do you use, whether it's words, color, sounds, or a design to have people come knock at your door to say, I want to buy your product or service. Mm -hmm. So that's the best way of thinking about a trademark. Okay. So whatever you use the most to call people in and say, hey, come buy this from me, mm -hmm. like for Nopaleta, mm -hmm. it's your name. It's yeah. the actual name of your business mm -hmm. that you use to call people in. So if that's the main thing you use. You want to think about getting a trademark for that first. Okay. Why? Why? Because you want to make sure that you can continue to use that name to call people in or someone else isn't using it before you. Mm -hmm. If someone's using it before you, you may be infringing on their rights as a trademark owner and you may, may, that's a big word, you may not be able to use it. So that's why you want to think about getting a trademark. You want to secure use of whatever you're using to have people knock on your door. What is the difference between a trademark and a copyright? Okay. So trademark, again, is all about brand identifiers, source identifiers. The government allows you to own trademarks, whether that's a word, design, phrase, whatever, because they want to protect consumers. Mm -hmm. When you buy something, they want you to trust where it came from. Mm. They want to trust who it came from and the quality, whether it's good quality mm -hmm. or bad quality. So like if you're driving along the road and you see the bullseye and you see the words Wally World, <laughs> you'll be like, okay, I'm going to go to this one because I know what I'm going to get mm -hmm. from that one. So Brand identifiers. Copyright is about the things that you create. So 
If you are a service-based business, it could be your curriculum. It could be your course. Mm. Anyone that has a website, it's the articles, blogs, the way you put together your website. To dive a little bit deeper into that, it could be the design on your packaging. Okay. How you Artwork, in other words. Artwork. Yeah. Artwork, graphics, images, and the owner, the creator of that work, the creator, meaning the person that actually did that, actually mm-hmm. took the photo or did the design or wrote the blog or wrote the ebook. The person who wrote it or took the photo is the copyright owner. The mm-hmm. government says if it's original, that means you didn't copy it from somebody. Right. Right. <laughs> so it's to prevent copycats, right? Yep. Right. They want to protect creators when they create things. It's original. And it's in a fixed form. That means it's not an idea in your head anymore. You wrote the book, you took the photo, you drew the design. Mm-hmm. So it's like your stuff. So do you need both? Or there's Coke. I'm just saying like Coca-Cola as an example. There's the name. And then there is the bottle. Yes. Those are two different things. Yes or no? Yes. Those are two different things. But for Coca-Cola, for the words in the bottle, we're still talking about actually trademark. Mm. So trademark law allows you to get protection for designs, shapes. It's kind of hard. It's called trade dress, but it's still a trademark. Mm -hmm. So like if it's very distinct, when you see that bottle, that like Mm -hmm. hourglass figure, you're like, that's a Coca-Cola bottle. Mm -hmm. So they do have protection for that. Mm-hmm. Like the Apple store, the way it's laid out, mm-hmm. they have protection, meaning you can't have a lookalike brand with that same bottle shape or that same store design. Because people recognize it as pertaining to that brand. Source identifier, brand identifier. Mm-hmm. Now, none of that actually pertains to copyright law for Coca-Cola, but it could be their website where they have a, a video of a commercial. That video that they recorded for that commercial That's copyright because they took an idea to create a commercial to advertise and they have people talking in it a certain way. In that video, they have copyright protection for that video. So it's like content. It's content. Yeah, that's the best. Thank you, son. It's the best way. It's like it's content, but it it can be a photo. It can be an image. It can be the words, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So the moment you record the video, like this podcast, Mm -hmm. the audio, the video, the way you put it together, you're the copyright owner. Mm. of it. So copyright is the content, the stuff. Trademark is the identifiers. Come look at my podcast video. Mm-hmm. Got it. Yes. Come download it. So did that answer the question? Yes. Yes. <laughs> you know, because it seems, are you, you're talking about the trade dress, that it can also be how something looks. And so that is to me also like, how is that different from a photograph, which is content, which is copyright, you know? Right. So it's just the way the law is set up. Mm -hmm. The thing you get trade dress for could also potentially be copyright also. Mm. We're talking about intellectual property right now, which is like the law says it's creations of your mind. Mm -hmm. But just think of branding and the content you create. It could even be design and adventures, which is patent. All of those things could actually be related to one thing. Mm -hmm. It's very fact specific Mm -hmm. what it is. And that's why... It really is beneficial to talk to someone that is experienced in intellectual property law to tell you the differences between the three, because all three might apply to the same thing. Mm -hmm. An example, let's do an app. Mm. The name of your app, how you call people to the app, trademark. 
the app itself, how you put the words together, how that looks. You have copyright ownership of that content, the text, the PDF, the words. Mm -hmm. Now, the coding behind it, if it's like some new, novel, unique way, you may want to get a patent for the design, that, that invention of how you put together the coding, the analytics behind the app. Mm-hmm. So that's how those three may work together. But again, it's very fact specific on what you have. So general reminder, trademarks, brand, 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 how mm-hmm. I call people in, copyright, the actual like content that I create, which could be designs and images. Mm-hmm. And patent is usually related to designs and inventions, yeah, which overlaps a little bit with trade dress. Right. I'm not confusing. No, the patents I've always, to me, it's like a big, scary world of patents, honestly, because I've always just heard, been told like the general storytelling around patents is that it's expensive. It takes a long time and it seems very cost prohibitive, honestly, for new business owners, you know, whereas a trademark feels more affordable, feels more attainable and patents feels hard. (laughs) Would you agree? (laughs) Yeah, I will agree. I will agree with that. But I have to give a little bit of disclaimer. I'm mm-hmm. not a patent attorney. Mm. Is that a separate kind of law? It's then? a separate. Yeah, it's under the bucket of intellectual property, creations of your mind. Mm-hmm. But to be a patent lawyer, you have to pass the patent bar to be eligible. Oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah. To be eligible to take the patent bar, you have to have a specific type of background. Mm. Like science and mathematics. That's not me. My major in college was history. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I don't even qualify to take the patent bar. I see. It could cost more. I will agree with that. It could cost more. It takes a little bit longer, but you have to present the designs. Mm -hmm. That takes specification. It's like a blueprint. It's like a blueprint almost, right? So, and it takes time to put that together. So that's how that can cost a little bit more. Mm-hmm. than trademarks. But trademarks can add up too also. Yes. <laughs> uh, I heard that. Okay. <laughs> um, and speaking of that, Deneen, so I mean, I feel like I know what you're going to say, but I have to ask the question because people ask me all the time, should people use LegalZoom or should they hire a trademark attorney? Like what are your real thoughts about? My real thoughts are intellectual property law is, it's a gray area. What I mean by that, it takes a lot of What is the facts of your, what are you doing in applying it to the law? Mm -hmm. So when you think about it in that way, you really want somebody who understands the law that can look at your individual business Mm -hmm. and tell you what may be best for you. Mm -hmm. With that said, LegalZoom is not a law firm. Mm -hmm. What is it exactly? I mean, I've used (laughs) it in the past, but I didn't really know. Who are these LegalZoom people? (laughs) So LegalZoom itself is not a law firm, but Mm -hmm. they do have attorneys Mm -hmm. that work for them. Mm -hmm. When you think about LegalZoom, think about a document preparer. Okay. So for, you know, for trademarks, there's this form you have to fill in with the U.S. government. It's a government form because the United States Patent and Trademark Office is over trademark applications. You have to file an application with the federal government to have a federal trademark. It is a form. It is deceptively, it looks easy because it's a form and you click, click, click. (laughs) Yeah. So LegalZoom, they click, click, click. Mm. LegalZoom is not going to tell you if what they're clicking for you is the best for you because that is Mm -hmm. legal advice. They're looking at your business, looking at the law, and then telling you based on the law and your business what you should do. That is legal advice. They do not do that. Mm -hmm. There's attorneys that work for them, Mm -hmm. but they click the form. They are document preparers. 
they're essentially just doing whatever you select, right? Yes, pretty much. Now, I, I don't remember. It's been a while, but I think you can like purchase a package or something from LegalZoom. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure, but you're almost better paying an attorney maybe for their time to kind of just give you a consult on it mm-hmm. rather than paying LegalZoom mm-hmm. or taking a course if you have the time. We already know it's like we're juggling so much. Do you have the time to take the course? No, but I have no time. <laughs> but yeah, trademarks is, is a subjective field. It's very subjective. Mm-hmm. What I mean by that is, I don't know if you ever heard of likelihood of confusion with trademarks. Mm-mm. Oh, yes. No, I have because I, I went through that with my old, when I was a musician, I had a band named Pistoleta and there was a radio DJ named Pistoletto. Oh. And they were like, oh, the likelihood of confusion. I'm like, no, I am a band that performs. That is a person that like has a show on the radio. It's not the same thing. And yeah, but so anyway, likelihood of confusion. You can argue either way, mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. whether or not there's confusion. But to bring it back to trademarks being brand identifiers, source identifiers, mm-hmm. because the government wants you to trust that I purchased that from No Paletta mm-hmm. and I trust the quality, which is excellent, by the way. Just have to put that <laughs> <Thank> in. <you. laughs> I trust the quality. You know, it's very moisturizing. So when you look at other trademarks, the government says if there's a likelihood of confusion between your trademark in another trademark, that's not good for consumers. Right. They're not going to know who's the source of that who's product. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't know. Have you seen Coming to America? <laughs> yes. <laughs> McDonald's and McDowell's. Yes. McDonald's and McDowell's. The names are not the same, but they are, they're similar. Similar. Mm-hmm. Do they provide the same products or services? Fast food, burger joint. Yes. McDowell's would never get a trademark <laughs> because there's a strong likelihood of confusion between those two marks. Hamburgers. Yes. McD. <laughs> yes. And like Dove soap and Dove candy bar. Mm-hmm. Dove trademark. They have the Dove trademark. But the government said there's no likelihood of confusion between this soap product and this candy bar product. Right. Because they're different categories. I mean, I think of like Mac makeup and Mac computers. You're never like, oh, I thought this was a lipstick. No, it's a computer. It's a computer. <laughs> right. No confusion. But it, it is definitely case by case basis. Mm. What the words are we're comparing and what do they provide? Mm-hmm. Because the analysis doesn't end. The names are not the same and the services are not the same. Right. It's totally subjective. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> I mean, you can back up your arguments, but yeah. So that's why if you have a trademark attorney that's experienced with those things, they can give you a better likelihood of confusion analysis on, mm-hmm. you know, based on the words you have and based on the products and services. What are your chances really of getting this trademark? Right. Let's talk about f- trademarking in other countries. This is something I'm dealing with, as you know. When is the right time to trademark in other countries? Way before you launch or closer to when you think you're going to go be in another country? Because the concern is that what if someone goes and grabs it before you, you know, should you be trying to blanket trademark your name everywhere? Even if you're not sure if you're going to launch in whatever other country. I'm going to give you the famous lawyer answer, (laughs) but the one I don't like, (laughs) it depends, (laughs) but I'll explain why it depends. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It depends first of all on if you are in other countries, that's one, because if you have no no intention of offering products or services to a particular country. It may or may mm-hmm. not be worth it to file in that country. Mm-hmm. Step back a little bit. 
United States Patent and Trademark Office is to file for trademark federal protection in the United States and all its territories. So you have exclusivity to use that name or that word in the U.S. in those territories, not other countries. Only. Yes, only. only. Right. So to come back to the answer, to, it depends. One, do you have intention of being international? Then you have to look at each country individually because every country is different. Let's take China, <laughs> for mm. example. China, first to file a trademark application, actually, will usually win. The United States is a little bit different. It's first to use. But I don't want to get into the weeds because I'm going to try to answer this question without going off <laughs> yeah. on a tangent. So because China is a first to file country, it doesn't matter Generally, that's a general rule. There's always exceptions. Mm -hmm. The general rule is it doesn't matter if they have not used it in China. If they filed for an application in China and it goes through, they have a trademark. So what so what happens in China, what you'll see is they pay attention to certain brands mm -hmm. <laughs> that they see are doing really well, mm -hmm. especially I notice in product industries like beauty products. Mm -hmm. They'll pay attention to see brands that are doing well. And if you don't have a trademark application filed in China to be registered, someone in China will file so they can squat. You're like the mm -hmm. main name squatting, right? So they'll squat yep. on People your- buy URLs. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's why you have to look at each country individually. First to file countries, not even if you have an intention, if it's a first to file country and you know you want your brand to be international and you don't want somebody to go on Amazon or some other place using your name- you will consider filing those countries. It could be quite expensive. There are ways. How to many first to file countries are I there? I do not know how many first to file countries they are. That is a good question. I do not know off the top of my head. China is definitely the biggest yes. that I think people are concerned about because it's such a massive market. But So you have to be mindful of, I'm not international now. Think about your plans long term, especially I think if you're a product-based company. You know, that brings mm -hmm. up like Amazon. Yeah. Registering your company with Amazon also to kind of prevent other companies from having your same name. Mm -hmm. can also. What about Amazon in other countries? Because isn't Amazon in other countries too? It is in other countries. And you know what? I do not know if the Amazon brand registry is actually the one that I'm speaking of is only related to US. Mm -hmm. Yes. I know we did it here for the US and I'm now I'm just worried like, oh, shoot, should we be doing this for like Amazon Canada and Amazon other countries as well? Again, as you can see, this is how it costs a lot of money mm -hmm. <laughs> because there's so many different things you have to pay attention to and be aware of. But it's also about your goals as a business. Yeah. If you know you have no intention of ever, ever, ever offering a product internationally, then it may not be in your best interest to invest in it. But that is an individual determination. Right. Have you had clients, Denine, that have launched a product or a company with a name only then to get like a cease and desist letter that that name belongs to someone else? Yes. And they have to go and change their whole business. Oh, and have to change? <laughs> yeah. Usually what happens is they come to me after they've received the cease and desist. <laughs> Always wait until there's a problem. <laughs> and do they have to rebrand? Yes. Mm. Again, it depends on the facts of that particular case. Because the United States, the first to use a name, the first to use a name in the U.S. to provide a product or service may have trademark protection. But that trademark protection is based on a geographic area where they provided the product or service. 
Okay. So like if I have a pizza restaurant in Atlanta called Danine's <laughs> Pizza Restaurant, and then it turns out that they're, that you've been using for like, you know, I've been using it, let's say it's me. I'm, let's pretend I'm Danine with my pizza restaurant in Atlanta and it's I've been doing it for 20 years. And then over in like Los Angeles, someone goes to file for Danine's Pizza Restaurant. Tomorrow, there's no issue because it's like a local spot like it's like a independent or would that be an issue if Deneen in atlanta georgia has only served in georgia that's it mm -hmm. for the past 20 years i haven't touched across the state lines of georgia mm -hmm. and this other Deneen and you said california was it california los angeles los mm -hmm. angeles they come and file california and let's say that they have an online they do orders let's say they do orders and okay. they send out products like I a, see we're going, we're going to say condiments mm -hmm. and they send out those condiments and they've done it to like 30 states. Deneen in Atlanta, Georgia, even though she's been using it for 20 years, is most likely going to lose that fight against Deneen in California, who mm -hmm. has shipped products to customers in 30 different states. Both of them are in the restaurant food industry. Yeah, 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 exactly. Even though Deneen in Atlanta, Georgia was first, my protection is probably only going to be limited to Georgia. Because I haven't mm -hmm. touched anybody else in the U.S., in any other states. Mm -hmm. So I can always challenge Deneen in California. I was going to say, couldn't you just say, hey, like you just can't sell to Georgia? Oh, yes, definitely. Like Georgia most likely is going to be off limits to them because I was first, right? But okay. here's the thing. Because Deneen in Georgia did not file a federal trademark application and get a federal registration, Deneen in Georgia now has to dispute Tell Danina in California, spend money on it. Send mm -hmm. a cease and desist. <laughs> Try to get mm -hmm. the mark from never being registered, right, before it goes through. Or if it's registered, try to cancel the mark. Spend attorney fees. And now that's more expensive than if Danina in Atlanta had just filed for the trademark. Yes. The but Danina in Atlanta could only get a federal trademark, though, if she actually served people outside of the state of Georgia also. It can't only be in your... Mm. They call that use in commerce. It, uh -huh. <laughs> it has to touch okay. across state lines for you to get a federal trademark. Okay. So wait, so are you saying that you can get a local trademark? No. So local in the sense of, yes, yeah, statewide, right? Statewide. Yeah, statewide. Right. Mm -hmm. I just said that it's like, they call it common law trademark protection if you're right. first, but it's geographic, right? You can also register your trademark with the state. Right. What I just talked about, that common law protection, when you use it, yeah. you don't have to register with that state. Right. Mm -hmm. Because once you use it to provide something in commerce, not, let me go back, commercial for a business purpose. Yeah. You'll have geographic protection. Yes, you can register with the state also and get a state trademark, but it's only mm -hmm. for that state. <laughs> right. To get a federal trademark, you have to you have to show that you cross state lines. Okay. So this is really complicated, which is why everyone should just speak to a lawyer. <laughs> uh, and how much should business owners, let's just say product business owners like myself, right? So we sell, we have e-com. So people are ordering from all sorts of different states and Puerto Rico. How much should founders budget for trademarks? That is a very good question. So I want to say this, you have fees that you have to pay to the government, filing fees. Mm -hmm. And you also, if you use an attorney, you have to pay the attorney fees. Mm -hmm. So there's, you know, two things you have to pay for the attorney to help you with it. And you have to pay the government to file it. Mm -hmm. I would budget at a minimum $3,500 mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking about all the different trademark attorneys that I know, how they do their fees. Mm-hmm. At a minimum, $3,500 if there are no issues mm. with your trademark. And what I mean by issues, if it's a name that I didn't talk about this, but remember I talked about the government allows us to get them to protect consumers. Mm-hmm. So one of the other things besides likelihood of confusion, they want to make sure that the word or your design is distinct. Mm. The more your trademark words describe what you do, the harder it is to get a trademark. Because at that point, it's not a source identifier. It is you're merely describing your product or service. Okay. Give me an example. Like the coffee shop and you sell coffee. Bicycle shop. I was thinking about bicycle, bicycle shop. shop. Yeah. Right. Okay. The coffee shop. <laughs> because you are describing. It's generic. Right. Mm-hmm. Or let's say you're teaching coaches how to help their mindset, right, for business. Mm-hmm. And it's called the mindset school and you sell courses. Yeah. So you're describing that you teach people about their mindset. Mm-hmm. Those marks, they're called descriptive. They're harder. Mm. So when I say issues, if you have a descriptive mark, USB is like, oh, this is descriptive. We're not going to let this go through. Please tell us why we should let it go through. Mm-hmm. Or there's a likelihood of confusion. When you have issues, the USBC office, they communicate those issues. It's called office actions. Not to get all mm-hmm. nerd out with this, but <laughs> you have to decide if you're going to respond to that. So your application go through. It costs more money. So I would say at a minimum, $3,500 for fees and attorneys. Now, all attorneys are different, but I would say at a minimum. Yep. And what about how long it lasts, Janine? So you file the trademark. Am I done now? Can I go now? Like, am I good for the rest of my life? No. Do I have to come back and pay again? How does that work? We're talking about the government. So <laughs> <laughs> so you're never done until the day you die. I mean, your trademark protection, your federal, it could be indefinite, but there are things you must do. One is... You have to actually continue to use the trademark to provide the products and services that you have listed in your registration. Because if you don't, then it can be abandoned, meaning you're no longer using this. But with the government, the USPTO office, there are certain things you have to do. After it is registered, meaning the trademark office says, yes, you have a trademark. It's federal. You get the little circle with the R. Mm -hmm. Six years after that, you have to file and say, I'm still using it. Every 10 years after your registration date, you have to file and say you're using it. So six years and then 10 years. So six years and then four years later. Yep. Every 10 years from your registration date. And so you have to pay again. Yes. You have to pay fees. It's the same price. <laughs> I'm like, every, I'm like, how many decades do I have left? <laughs> I forgot how much those fees are, but how long does it last? It lasts as long as one, you continue to file. To use it. Mm-hmm. And two... You actually are using it. <laughs> right. You can't claim it, right? You can actually abandon your trademark. Okay. If you don't continuously use it. Oh my goodness. While we're talking about abandonment, another thing is you can abandon your trademark if the words become commonplace, generic. Think about Kleenex tissue. Mm. So yeah, trademarks are supposed to identify, right? The source. So Kleenex, that's the source of the tissue. Yeah. We started using Kleenex to say tissue. Oh, here's a Kleenex. Here's a Kleenex. Mm-hmm. Like Xerox. Like Xerox. Yes. Yes. So you also have to be very careful how you use your trademark. You have to use it in a, I'm just make up a word, trademarkable way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As a source identifier. Oh my God. I didn't even think about Kleenex. Yeah. We just say Kleenex. Like that's the name of the thing. Of, when really it's the brand. Yes. 
like Xerox and Hoover. Yes, because it remember it's brand, brand, brand. That's what trademarks are. Okay. Denny, what is it that you wish that all founders, business owners knew? Like if you could just get them to understand one thing mm-hmm. <laughs> about what you do, what is that thing? So as an intellectual property attorney, I know I am biased with this, but also as a business owner, I understand this. Our intellectual property as business owners, our brands, our trademarks, the copyrights, our content, our materials, it is the core of our business. Mm-hmm. How you call people in and what you provide them, it is the core. So you want to have more than a surface level understanding of what intellectual property you have in your business. And when I say more than a surface level, it's not enough to just know, oh yeah, I might need a trademark for my name or Maybe I should put the little circle with the C in it for my website or for my opt-in. You know, you need to have a deeper understanding of it because if you are building on someone else's intellectual property, what I mean is someone else's name or someone else's content, you pulled it, (laughs) you're not building on solid foundation. It can be pulled up from under you. And this is not a scare tactic for you to go and hire intellectual property attorney because as a business owner myself, I understand what it means to have ownership of your business and to have control of your business, because that's really what intellectual property is for your business. It gives you ownership, ownership of your brand name or your product names, ownership of the content you're creating. When you own it, you control it. You can control how you use it. You control how you make money from it. And if there's ever a challenge, you'll be like, nope, here's my federal trademark registration. I did a search. I know no one else was using it. This is mine, mine, mine. It just lays the proper foundation because we can't stop problems, but we can have things in place to minimize our risk. I wish we could stop people from doing things, but we can't. So it minimizes the risk. Yes. Beautifully said. Thank you so much, Janine. I learned. (laughs) And now I'm like, oh, great. Now let me just add some things to my to-do list. (laughs) And I will say this. We don't always do things orderly and accordingly because I'm about to do something out of order. What we just discussed (laughs) on this podcast (laughs) is general information. Yeah. It is for education. It is not legal advice. Legal advice Mm -hmm. is when you speak with an attorney, they look at the law and they tell you based on the law, give you suggestions on what you should do. So this is just for- Tailored to you. Yes, tailored to you. Yes. Mm -hmm. This is not legal advice. We are having a conversation with information. Very valuable, Denise. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for being here with us. Remember to leave us a review on whatever platform you are listening from. Spread the word so we can impact and grow the community. If you are an entrepreneur looking for more real talk and resources, you can join my entrepreneurial newsletter from my personal website, sandralilavelasquez.com but also visit nopalera.co to pick up your favorite self-care items for yourself and your loved ones. Join the Nopalera mailing list to be the first to hear about new products, exclusive promos. You can find us on Instagram and TikTok at nopalera.co. Stay resilient.